Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. solar panels work in winter. Solar energy output in Australia throughout winter is surprisingly high in some cities. You can learn more about better solar energy at B-Solar. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. It is a very warm welcome, everybody, on this Monday, the 9th of May, another edition of the First Serve, talking at the world of tennis. We love doing it every week, right throughout the year. Your calls tonight, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. They are always welcome. Your texts on 0433981116. All thanks to our good friends at Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery. Magnificent prices, free delivery if you order over $150. So you can go and shop while you're listening tonight, tennisdirect.com.au. Get that nice little 10% discount store-wide. Use the code FIRSTSERVE10. All the goodies delivered to your front door. On the B-Solar menu tonight, the hottest show in tennis. And we circle back to Tennis Australia and the topic of UTR. But I think even if you're in the car, I want you to get out now and rise for the King of Spain. Carlos Alcaraz is the champion in Madrid. The 19-year-old caps off the perfect week with a third top four win here in the Spanish capital. It's a second title at this level in the space of six weeks. An hour of total domination. Total domination indeed. Is there anything this young man cannot do? It is the hottest story in tennis from 120 in the world to world number six in the space of uh, 12 months. Now, I had a lot of texts coming in last week, uh, Brett, you know, <laughs> you almost, uh, you know, chins on the floor, you know, dribbling all over uh, Carlos Alcaraz. But this guy is just phenomenal. And he has had the greatest week of his tennis life. When you knock over your idol, who's been the king of clay for the best part of two decades. You knock over the world number one. You knock over the world number three. It is astonishing what he has done. The youngest five-time finalist on tour since Rafa, uh, claimed seven, if you don't mind, by the age of 19, back in 2004, 2005. Up to world number six, second Masters 1000 title of the year, seventh straight top ten win, tour leading fourth title of the year. The most match wins for Carlos, 28 is a great story. You heard the voice there of Nick Lester in commentary. He's been good enough to join us off the top of the show uh, tonight. Nick, what more can we say? This is an incredible story. 
pretty decent CV, that, Brett, isn't it? You were just reeling off there. I thought you were going to keep going for a while because <laughs> it's never-ending, isn't it? <laughs> it's never-ending. I mean, you know, it's what can you say? It's remarkable. It's, it's the maturity, Brett, I think. There's so many aspects to his tennis, but it's the physical maturity, the emotional maturity that he has that stands out for me. You know, we talked for so long over the last decade about how teenagers can't do it anymore. They can't, they can't make the breakthrough. They're not physically able to. Those days are gone. It's too, this sport has become too physical. And yet here's a guy who has transformed himself physically over the last six months to be able to compete with these guys and not only compete with them, but then go on and beat them. And, and you know, I, I hate to throw around stereotypes and, and cliches, but you looked at that match against Djokovic, and yes, Djokovic played well, yep. but it was a part of you that almost kind of felt like, you know what, this sport has moved on a little bit here again. Yeah. And, and I didn't think we'd say that, and it's, it's incredible. His own quote, uh, Nick, I'm 19 years old, which I think is the key to be able to play long and tough matches in a row. I'm feeling great physically. And we go back to Barcelona a, a week ago when he beat our very own Alex Dimonor, what, in about three and a half hours, comes out a few hours later and beats Pablo Carreño Busta pretty uh, comfortably. I mean, you can almost play five matches in a day. I mean, he doesn't ever look spent. No, you're right, and uh, I have to say, I thought I have to say, I thought emotionally yesterday he might come out uh, and suffer a little bit. Yes, it was a final, of course, which uh, has its extra emotions. But after everything he'd been through on the on the Friday and the Saturday in that 48 hour period, I did wonder whether he would come out a little flat. But of course, it was the opposition that actually did that, and Zverev coming out and criticising the ATP for their scheduling—that's understandable to an extent, but. Yeah, just just remarkable. I think it, I think it's the boldness, Brett, as well. It's the it's it's the way he plays the big points that's so incredible. You know, his yep. belief in his own game, the the ability to pull off the serve and volley on a big point when you don't think it's coming. You know, you've seen everything else, and then he's down thirty forty. He comes in. He has such a good understanding of mm. of of when to play the right play at the right time, and obviously it's the right play at the right time when he wins the point. But you know, he just seems to have such clarity of thought. Uh, and, and, and just inner steel. And I think you've got to put a lot of credit down to the people he's worked with. He's got a massive team, Brett, behind yep. him. You know, from a young age, they have built this incredible group of people, physical trainers, psychologists, doctors. And, and I think Juan Carlos Ferreira obviously has to have a big, uh, take a lot of credit for that. They've got an incredible uh, bond. You can see that. It's sort of like the, the older brother. It's a little bit of the, the fatherly uh, figure and, and someone who's played the game at the highest level and achieved incredible things. So what a, an ear to have Juan Carlos Ferrero. Do you think right now, Nick, he is ready to win a Grand Slam right now? I, yeah, I do. I do. Absolutely, I do. I, I, honestly, I do. I don't think there's any reason to suggest otherwise. We can obviously look at the five sets and, and talk about how five sets is going to be impactful for him, but he's playing at a level where, to be honest, you can see the early couple of rounds if the draw is relatively kind. He's not going to be, he's not going to be exerting himself too much because he's that good. He's that good. So he, he is a cut above so many of the opposition. So I don't see any reason, Brett, why he can't win Roland Garros. I really don't. I genuinely don't. I think, you know, obviously experience at a major might come into play. He doesn't have that at a major. How you manage the two weeks, that is going to be different. Um, but I tell you what, he's proved everyone else that experience doesn't count for a whole lot because right now he is he's tearing up not just the tennis world sport, but, yeah. you know, a Brett, but I think the sporting world as yeah. well. And yep. it's, we're so fortunate to have this young man around. Incredible sporting story. Nick, before I let you go, give me a word on Djokovic and Nadal and just how you're viewing them up close right now. So Rafa comes back after a few weeks out with the rib. Uh, Novak, obviously, the, 
uh, delayed start to his year. He hasn't played the the volume of tennis that he normally has going into the second major of the year. I thought I was very impressed with Djokovic, I've got to say. I thought that was the best week he's had for a while. Um, clearly undercooked coming in. Belgrade obviously helped him a lot as well, Brett. He got a lot of tennis in Belgrade. You know, a lot of three-set matches there. The match against Alcaraz, there were three points in it, Brett, in the, in the course of three and a half hours. So that gives you an idea how close he is. So I think Djokovic is definitely trending in the right direction. I think there's a lot of positives for him. Another big week here, though. We know he's played well in Rome. So yep. I think if he can win in Rome, uh, he'll be right where he wants to be going into Roland Garros. Rafa, you don't rule the guy out, do you? We've, we've been there before. We've <laughs> done that one before. We've, we've been burned on that one. So I'm not ruling that guy out in any way, shape or form, especially going into Paris. No doubt about it. The greatest competitor we've probably seen in uh, the history of uh, tennis. Thank you, Nick. Let's talk uh, during the French. I just wanted to get your take. You're on the ground there in Madrid. It must have been some sort of atmosphere. The Spanish uh, crowd were in full voice. So uh, we'll talk in a couple of weeks and enjoy Rome this week. Thanks, Brett. Nick Lester, one of the best uh, tennis commentators going around. So 120 to 6 in the world in the last uh, 12 months. Incredible. You can share your thoughts. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six or on the text 0433 So for Alex Dimonor, uh, defeated uh, Pedro Martinez in the first round, lost to Sinner for a fourth time. He was certainly outplayed. That's the challenge for Alex. I mean, here he is on the cusp of the top 20 again, trying to take one of these biggest scalps. Sinner is certainly... Uh, that touch better. Plenty for Alex to ponder. He's got Dusan Lovic, uh, I think, in the early hours of tomorrow morning. First round at the Italian Open in Rome. And then I think it's a, a little bit of an easier. It might be Ramos Vinolas or Tommy Paul in the second round. So not having to play necessarily one of the big guns. Let's hope he can go on a little bit of a roll, Alex, in Rome. Um, Kulov and Skupski took out the doubles in uh, Madrid. Ons Jabeur, this is one of the great stories in tennis. And she won in Madrid as well, did Ons. And the trailblazer from Tunisia is the tournament titan as things have gotten real in Madrid for Ons Jabeur, champion of a WTA 1000 event. We'll get to Harry in Belmore in uh, just a tick, who's uh, got on the line because he missed us uh, last week, uh, Ons Jabeur. I mean, I, I just love the story. Shane Leonage, he's based here in Melbourne, who's a data analyst, uh, the first Arab North African player to win a WTA 1000, up to seven in the rankings. Uh, Nick talked about, you know, a lot of players now having a sports psychologist. Ons has certainly got one of those. Paolini, Gracia, Bencic, Halep, Alexandrova, and then uh, beating Jessica Bagula in three to win the tournament. So well done to Ons Jabeur, who's just great to watch. We love watching Ash Barty for so long. We love any player with a point of difference. Beautiful court craft, plays every shot in the book, and it's not all firepower. There are many ways, as we know, certainly to win a uh, tennis match. So that has been the major highlight of the tour in the last week. Of course, uh, Madrid, plenty going on on the Challenger Tour. There's a full wrap on our website, thefirstserve.com.au, so you can uh, check that out. Uh, we had a couple of Aussies uh, last night. I was watching the streams at uh, Lee 2 and Tristan Schoolcoat, who uh, were runner-up at their respective ITF events. Obviously, uh, Lee 2's on my watch list, just how far he possibly can go. What a story he's been through UTRs, ITF, getting a look at Grand Slam level. Um, coming back after five years out of the sport. So he's going to step up to the challenges in the next couple of weeks. And Schoolcate uh, made the final. We had Alana Parnaby, Akira Sandalan, and Tristan Schoolcate, who all won doubles titles across the weekend. So anytime you're a winner, whatever level of the tour, it is certainly a mighty achievement. Harry in Belmore, welcome back to the show, H. Hello, Brett. Uh, the juniors that came out here in the 80s, about 84, Leconte, yes. in his first 
Australian Open at McEnroe down two sets to love. I saw the match. He hit so many winners that the third, fourth and fifth, they failed him. He was... Uh, the shots that were going in by an inch were missing by an inch. Yes. That was Henry. Darren Cale got yep. to the semi-final of the US Open. Mm-hmm. After tennis, he owned two pubs. He done all right. Wally Masur got to the semi-final of the US Open and done very well. Jason Stoltenberg got the semi-final at Wimbledon. He uh, beat Goran in the quarters. Goran came off the court and said, I played like a faggot. <laughs> and they uh, fined him for a sexist remark. Woodbridge got to the semi-final. He, he done well after right. he uh, got out. Indeed. He, uh, uh, Peter Doohan, yes. who was there, called Todd as Boyle Brad. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, Harry, you've gone down memory lane for me uh, beautifully. There started with Honoré uh, Leconte and uh, reeling off some great Aussies there who have had some uh, fine uh, success over the years. H, it's always uh, great to have you on the show. I do need to mention before we break, Australia clinching their second World Team Cup junior title on uh, Sunday, earning a two-one victory over top seeds Great Britain at the ITF flagship wheelchair tennis team event, uh, which was over in Portugal. Sixteen-year-old uh, Riley Dumstay, who I've spoken to. On this show, or certainly at an event, I think at Kuyong about three or four years ago, uh, who's also a member of the Australian team that beat Great Britain in the 2019 final in Israel. He earned the early lead for his team. And then it was, uh, of course, uh, he and uh, the young boy, Salim Nasser, who won the double 6-1, 6-1 to clinch that 2-1. So well done uh, to Australia. We'll follow up Riley and maybe get him on the show in the next uh, couple of weeks. So we're here thanks to AATC, Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches, providing quality coach education across the globe. Courses delivered by industry leaders and tennis business owners. Learn locally, coach globally, internationally endorsed, inquire and enrol at aatc.tennis. We're going to talk some UTR coming up next on the first serve. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With V-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a V-Solar advisor. Visit V.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Always great to have your company on a Monday night. Brett Phillips in the chair talking uh, the world of tennis. Plenty of Aussies around the globe this week. We'll have that all covered at our website, thefirstserve.com.au, whether you're following us Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, uh, YouTube. We've got it all covered. Alex Dimonor, early hours of tomorrow. Dusan Lovic, uh, Isla Tomjanovic to take on my favourite, uh, Camilla Georgi. Uh, that'll be an entertaining uh, affair. And there's Aussies on the Challenger Tour, the ITF Tour galore. So we'll keep you right across that for those that follow us right throughout the course of the week. If you want to know a result, come to the first serve. Well, we're going to circle back to UTR. We've been discussing it for quite some time on the program. We've spent a good chunk of weeks talking about UTR, a rating system that provides a single unifying language and standard for tennis players across ages, geography, gender and economics, calculated by an algorithm using a player's last 30 match results, eligible match results from the last 12 months. Now, Tennis Australia has made the UTR rating the official rating for tennis in this country from players just starting out all the way up to the pros. The quote at the time will be easier than ever 
for all Aussie players to find level-based play and enhance their tennis experience. Now, back on the 21st of February, we had Tennis Australia Chief Tennis Officer Tom Lana on the show. From January 1 this year, the UTR rating has been introduced across all forms of competitive play here in Australia. This was Tom back in February. UTL has been in Australia for a number of years now. Obviously, uh, you know, we, we, uh, with the COVID and, and the impacts of the borders, we've been using UTR as a tool for both entries and, and seedings across Australia uh, with the restriction of access to, to ranking points. But, but over the last uh, year or two, we've undertaken a review of our competitive pathways and, and looked at some of the challenges we knew we had within the tour, challenges around, you know, access to ranking points, the cost associated with that, challenges around level-based play, challenges around a lack of flexibility of formats, behaviour, and, and a really difficult-to-understand pathway. And so off the back of that review, and that review uh, captured you know, over four or, four or 5,000 people who contributed to that, coaches, players, parents. Uh, we spoke to Australian top players. We looked at overseas models. And, and through the back of that, we really uh, had a couple of key messages come really through loudly and clearly that, that, you know, that drove us down the path of a, of a rating tool. And they're around, you know, trying to create more local opportunities, trying to clarify, you know, to move away from a ranking and a rating tool to a, a simple single measure where we could measure someone's ability uh, and looking at simplified pathways, trying to make it easy as possible and really deregulate the tournament markets to open up to different formats as well. So as we went through that process, um, you know, the UTR, I don't think there's uh, the, too much dispute around the accuracy of a UTR as compared to a ranking system. You know, we know what it takes into account. We've seen some of the data that's come even out of the tour in relation to expected results on a UTR based on a, uh, as compared to a ranking. And we know that's even the case in Australia as well, based on obviously access to ranking points for players. So as part of that process, you know, we, we've looked at um, bringing in the UTR as part of our, 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 um, our tournament, our competition pathway, not just tournaments, not just events, yep. but also all forms of, of comp, whether that's, you know, weekly competition, and really getting to the point where every match counts. Every match that's on that UTR system flows through to a player's rating. So that was Tom Lana, Chief Tennis Officer at Tennis Australia, on our program back in February. For those that follow us and certainly listen in regularly, know that we followed up with discussion with players, coaches, administrators. We had some parents' uh, feedback as well over the past few months. So further down the track, five months into UTR being rolled out here in Australia, we thought we'd circle back to Tennis Australia. It's great to have the uh, Director of Pathways and Game Development Lawrence Robinson in the studio. He's been a guest many times in a previous role on the phone, but great to have you, Lawrence, in the studio. Yeah, it's great to be here, Brett. Nice to be here in person. Usually I've um, been, been um, on the phone in the past, but yeah, nice to yeah, see you face-to-face. <clears throat> Bit to pull apart. It's a, yeah. it's a topic, probably the hottest topic, isn't it, uh, right now? You've come from um, being the CEO of Tennis New South Wales into this role at uh, Tennis Australia uh, pretty much at the sort of start of this year, if you like. Yeah. And and UTR has got a lot of commentary. So, you know, we speak to, obviously, a full range of people across tennis who are, and I always say this, who are at the real coalface, because I'm not at that absolute coalface at club level, association level, I'm not inside the four walls of Tennis Australia. So we open up the discussion. Uh, There's... A little thing that I wrote down um, uh, today because there can be some sometimes you know negativity that comes out and some criticism, but it's about having a just a good a good constructive conversation, and and you guys are aware of a lot of the feedback uh, coming in. But I thought this sort of just summed up a, a lot of the feedback I've got. And I don't know whether it's totally accurate, Lawrence. So I bow to you uh, tonight. So I believe UTR is a great system and see the benefits when used in the right setting, club 
and localised competition and the background of a ranking system. The issue is when used as the sole ranking system at the performance level, the levers of UTR in many instances are counter to the core values of play development, competitive sport and incentivising players to play as much as possible. So that's common. I've, I've spoken to some players, coaches who like it at that younger level, not so much at the performance level. What's the feedback that's been coming into Tennis Australia five months down the track predominantly? So, yeah, you're right. I mean, firstly, thanks for giving us the chance to, to come in and, and have the conversation this evening. And, you know, it was good to reflect on what Tom, you know, spoke to and, and, and mentioned, you know, back in, in January, I think it was, or February, when, you know, when we sort of initially rolled out. So we are, we're five months in. And we've had, you know, we've had sort of really two major tournament swings to look at. So we obviously had our, you know, let's call it our January or summer holidays, <clears throat> and then traditionally the Easter swing. And and certainly um, from the, you know, from what we've observed over the course of, of Easter, um, there's still areas where I think we want to be able to dig in a little bit further and understand. Um, we've, you know, we've 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 listened and looked at some of the the data. I think the first thing people are saying is, well, numbers are dropping completely. Well, that, that's, that's not the case. That's certainly not what we're seeing. So the actual number of people who, are, who have been competing has remained consistent. The actual number of opportunities for them to compete has actually gone up about 35 to 37%. So as we said, we wanted to liberate the calendar. So now you can play various different competitive opportunities, whereas in the past, we had a ranking system which really served 6,000 players. Over 6,000 ranked players in Australia. Yep. We now have, there's over 80,000 people that, that have a, you know, a rating profile in Australia. And when we did the review, we wanted to put in place a system that catered for players of all ages and abilities. Now, your reader or your listener is saying, look, there's benefits here, but from a, from a performance perspective, how might we use this? Now, obviously, a rating can generate a ranking. But at the same time, what we are looking at is all the data that we've seen during the course of some of the recent performance events, 12s and 14s, nationals, um, the recent yeah, Mornington um, events, and um, you know, we've looked at UTR globally and so on and so forth. Yep. There's some consistent patterns that come through. And when you talk about motivation, I can't talk to why a 12 or 13-year-old kid wants to get on the court. But first and foremost, we hope they're getting on court because they love playing the game. That's the first thing you want. And then secondly, you want them, to, you want them to, to look at ways in which they can progress. We actually believe that the, the rating can provide that. So when you say the, the numbers haven't dropped, so a lot of the feedback I've been getting is probably predominantly around regional country tennis, whether it be yeah. here in Victoria or yep. New South Wales where you've spent uh, a, a fair bit of time, that they seem really... Um, Agitated. Frustrated, very yeah. agitated yeah, that yeah. once upon a time their great events were getting a huge roll up and now there's no incentive for some of the Metro kids to come and play these uh, really good uh, regional country tennis events because they don't want their UTR affected. I mean, have you received that feedback more regionally than Metro? Absolutely, absolutely. And again, let me clarify, the number of players that are playing hasn't dropped because there's more events than the entries, yep. the number of entries in some of our events have dropped. And so, you know, we've gone up about 30% in terms of the number of competitive opportunities because, you know, say in the past, the ranking system sort of dictated, you go there, you go there, you go there. We're now saying, look, you can choose your competitive experience. Our league participation in certain states are up, so pennant, badge, all those things. We're seeing, you know, a return to some of that club competition, which was a lot of what we heard. 
But you're right. In terms of regional tennis, we are seeing in some states, and in particular New South Wales, and I'm on a flight tomorrow to spend some time with Darren and Jazz up there because we want to dig into this, right? Because you're right. They're the fabric of, of, of our sport in, yep. in regionals. But, you know, at the same time, I've read that, you know, that the places, you know, there's been nobody going. And we've got, you know, numbers from, you know, from Easter and, you know, Swan Hill, over 250 entries. Um, the event in Mornington, 210 entries. Muldura had 140 entries. Country Week, as we know, people are playing competitive tennis. Might not be the ranking system, but they're playing competitive tennis. You were up there, there was over 1,000 people playing Warnable. And then in Queensland, again, a great tournament state, um, their numbers were up, their entries were up during Easter. So the interesting thing is we're hearing some of this stuff. And then you kind of start to look at some of the numbers and it, and, and it doesn't necessarily play out across the country. But the regional piece, yeah, we're, we're aware that we probably need to go and take a look at that in a bit more detail. So there's a lot of questions I have here. Sure, these, sure. Are, these are from people who have uh, corresponded with us on our social media channels. So I want to get to as many as we possibly can. But I suppose just before I do that, what you rolled out and what you planned for over a period of time and there were what four to five thousand people surveyed. You come to those conclusions. So now five months down the track, what do you what do you think of the things that just need to be tinkered with and and changed possibly that, yeah. that are staring at you in the face now that you've seen it rolled out? Yeah. Look, um, the first thing I'd say, and and, and Craig says this a lot: um, the pain of change is greater than the pain of losing. Right. So this is probably the single biggest shift in our domestic tennis landscape in well over a decade. So we're five months in. So if I can for a second, let's talk to some of the positives. We are seeing at that lower participation level, the feedback is, hey, we look, we like the different formats. The kids are getting more matches. There's more level-based play. There's some positives in that space for sure. Where we're seeing some of the feedback and potentially some of the challenges that have come out of the first five months, probably in two areas. Firstly, from a player perspective, we're seeing what we deem behavior, motivation, or incentive. So I'm not going to play. I'm not going to play a ratings event because I'm worried if I lose, my rating's going to drop. So I can talk a little bit to that in a second. Um, I'm not. There's no incentive for me to play because I was, you know, earning ranking points, but now I'm not moving quick enough. Um, or what am I playing? Where should I play? What are the events that I play? So we've got to go and do a better job of educating the coaches, the, the parents, and the players to that point. And I can come back to speak to that. And then on the tournament side of things, in terms of those that are delivering the tournaments, there's probably two or three things that we're hearing. There's the withdrawal issue, right? Mm. We're mm. well aware of that. And again, I can I can touch on that. So <laughs> we're struggling to understand why, why a kid or a player would commit to a tournament and then say, hey, they're walking off. Now, we're hearing it's because they want to protect their rating. Right? I can show you as much data as you Walking off court ultimately is not going to improve you as a tennis player, and actually, it's going to have very negligible impact on your on your rating. Um, so we're, we're we're seeing the withdrawal issues. We're then seeing the regional piece that we've got to go and um, we've got to go and dig into, and then we're hearing a little bit around the rating bands and the two point differential and so on and so forth. So, you know, how might we tweak some of the delivery or some of the formats that can accommodate that? So I suppose what what is the interesting thing as an outsider looking in is that TA who are you know invested into UTA it's a partnership are using it as a, a rating and and a ranking effectively which is not being seen anywhere from my information around the world so what what, what did it come to that conclusion that um, it would be both well look it's 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 a rating it's a rating tool in the first instance so it's an indicator of someone's ability now. Yep. 
with anything, you know, we just had a conversation about Carlos Alcaraz. So he's ATP rank number three, uh, number six in the world after yesterday. He's now moved up to three and he's trending towards number one. So there's, you can use data in a, a variety of ways. But again, you know, as I say, we looked at the 12s and the 14s. So 28 of our 32 um, seeded players for the 12s and 14s nationals were accurately predicted by the UTR. 83% of our matches at the Nationals were accurately predicted by the UTR. So the accuracy, as people have said, is, is not discounted. Then the question is, how do we use this in building a tournament calendar? And I think that's some of what we're going to go and you know, spend some time with our member associations around. Have we put too many? You know, is there too many events on the calendar? Mm. The simplified pathway we spoke to, you play locally. Then you might want to, hey, look, I'm good enough to play you know, a, a larger you know, regional event or championships then I might be good enough to qualify for the state championships yep. then I get qualified for state um, squad selections the rating system is a fairer system than what we saw previously in the rankings I don't think anybody would disagree with that I think people at the moment are they're just being thrown off by the fact that we've kind of moved the goalpost a little bit and particularly for those 10s 12s 14s on the pathway they're kind of thinking what does this mean for me now but no one's been disadvantaged we're going to slip in a break and we're going to come back and get into uh, the questions that I've got from uh, a lot of our tennis uh, fans, those that involved in the coalface uh, coming up next. All thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre. It's a mini Melbourne park. It's out in Craigieburn. Melbourne's north. Uh, Tim and the team do a great job. It's got tennis for everyone, perfect also for coaches, players. If you're actually coming from interstate, very close to Melbourne Airport, you can compete, you can train. There's accommodation around the corner. Uh, find out more at uh, humetennis.com.au. More of Lawrence Robinson next on the first serve. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management. And glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to The First Serve. Great to have your company on this uh, Monday night. Brett Phillips in the chair. Lawrence Robinson is with me in the studio. Tennis Australia Director of Pathways and Game Development. We're going to get to a few questions around UTR. There's just one off the text here, Lawrence, before we get to Andrew. How does a top national 14-year-old have his UTR go up when he has only won 25% of matches since December and lost most of those with uncompetitive sets is a question that just came in. Um, look, Brett, I mean, it's, I, I, I can't get into talking about specifics because I haven't had a chance to look at everybody's individual UTR and all their individual results. But I think what I can say to you is, again, I say we've looked at all the data from the 12s and 14s, Claycourt Nationals, and we look at, you know, let's say the UTR 14s globally. There's some pretty consistent themes that come through from those. So if we look at, you know, just the 12s um, boys this year, so the top eight players, they've played an average of 84 matches in the last 12 months. So they're committing to playing. They're committing to competing. Um, they are playing both up and down. So again, this is, one of the, this is some of the, one of the things that we've heard going around, which is you can't, your rating can't go up unless you play up. I can show you, you know, graphs here of the, of, of, of the boys and girls that competed at the Nationals. And there's a steady line going up. They're playing up. They're playing down. The consistent themes are they're playing regularly, so they're playing at least one competitive match a, a week, so an average 50 competitive matches in a year. Yep. And they're winning on average between 65 to 75% of their matches. So they've got a better win-to-loss ratio. It's a pretty simple formula. Play often, compete, win more than you lose, you're going to get better, your rating will go up. Okay, thanks for your text. Andrew in Bathurst has uh, given us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Andrew, welcome to the show. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. What do you got for us? I uh, just got a quick question to Lawrence. I know Lawrence quite well. So uh, just, just one mention there. You talked about the tournaments over the two uh, key periods in the holiday sections for UTRs. You only mentioned a number of tournaments in uh, Victoria and one or two in Queensland where they were up. But uh, New South Wales, the numbers were drastically low, 50 to 70% lower right across the board. Um, yeah. And then also tournaments in Victoria were also folding uh, why weren't they addressed in that question? Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Good to hear from you again. And look, I, I, I know this is something that's uh, you know Andrew's very passionate about, and Bathurst has been a, a huge supporter of the ranking system for many years. So, look, we're we're well aware of the uh, the challenge that, that has emerged in in New South Wales. You know, that being said, again, it's not you know it's not you know a complete car crash. We had Albury. There was 175 entries there. Tweed Heads, 175. And one of the things that the team have done in New South Wales is the introduction of the regional match play series has meant that over sort of February and March, there are events that have counted towards players' ratings and they had over a thousand entries, you know, in, in that uh, in that duration. But Andrew's right. I mean, there are some events that have, have had their entries down. There are more events in New South Wales, considerably more events. There are more opportunities to play. So, we're, you know, the choice is with the player now. And to Andrew's point, it's like, what are we going to do to address that issue? And that's why I'm flying up tomorrow and have that conversation with, with Jazz and, and, and Darren and, and the team in New South Wales, because we, you know, we see how critical, you know, players traveling uh, and attending, you know, regional events are to the, the tennis ecosystem in those parts of the world. All I'm saying is that it's, it's not completely desolate. There are people traveling in Queensland to play regionally. People have traveled in Victoria People have travelled in New South Wales, perhaps not in the same numbers, but we've got to go away and look at that and think, is that how they've built the calendar? Is it how we you know, potentially incentivise players to you know, play other events? So I'm not, I'm not glossing over it. We're well aware of the issue. Thank you, Andrew. I'm going to get to a few of these questions, Lawrence, as many as we possibly can. So these, these are what came in. Any plans to address the drop-in juniors playing tournaments and kids paying $65 for two matches to win a tournament? So look, we've t- we've spoken to um, the the, the drop in numbers and so in terms of entry. So overall, the number of players competing has not has not dropped. So we've seen the same number of people um, competing. Um, in terms of the number of entries overall nationally, they're down about eleven eleven percent. The actual entries are, but again, what we've seen is there are more opportunities for them to play in other in other areas. What we're hearing is. Players don't want to play because they want to protect the rating. And as we've said, that actually is not going to help anybody in the long term. If you if you want to get better as any tennis player or any sportsman or woman, sorry, if you want to get on the court, you're going to, you're going to get better by playing yep. more. So we are, you know, we're, we we can show all of the information to say, get out, compete, compete regularly, um, and you will see your rating improve if you're winning more matches than you're losing. Doug says, is Tennis Australia concerned with the lack of entries in doubles? Doubles draws have been decimated with the introduction of UTR. Under the previous ranking system, valuable points were up for grabs in doubles. As doubles results have no impact on your singles UTR rating, tournament numbers have dropped significantly. Uh, yeah, look, I think that's a, that's a fair question, a fair comment as well. And and I think, you know, we've the, the review did say, look, we wanted to look at finding the right balance between tournament play and competition, or you know what we call my you know pennant play or you know club competition. So we're hopeful that you know as people have a choice to play both, they'll they'll get their doubles, they'll get their doubles experience by playing club uh, pennant or um, state league in, in some of our other states. 
but yeah, I think we should take a look at how we might um, incentivize players to continue to play in the doubles in, in the various tournaments that we're hosting. Okay. Andrew says, is TA concerned that the banding of UTR grades in tournaments makes moving up and down on the UTR scale difficult? Um, I, look, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I think we've we've spoken to this. Uh, this, you know, the, the moving up and down, this notion that you can only improve your rating by playing players above you, is actually not the case. You know, as I say, the the twelves national champion. If I could just, you know, twelves know, national champion since December, he's played forty eight matches. He played twenty five matches of opponents who were rated above him, and he played twenty three matches of rating of, of players who were rated below him. And his rating's gone up by nearly one point. So he's played a lot of tennis, and that's the that's what we're seeing consistently. Now, do we need to go out and tell that story or, or, or get that information into Absolutely. We've got to do a better job of that. But that's what I'd say is it's compete and, 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 and win your matches. From what you said, I probably know the answer here, but is TA considering reverting back to a rankings point system? Uh, well, certainly not at this stage. We're not, we're not looking at um, reverting back to a rankings point system. As we said before, you know, we, got, we had 6,000 players in a ranking system. Um, we've got a rating system now that was always intended to cater for players of all ages and abilities. And and whilst the conversation right now is focused on those who are in the ranking system, and those particularly those 12s to 16s who are the aspirational players, when you actually go out and start to talk to club land, and I was with the, you know, a number of associations with Tennis Victoria on the weekend, how they're using it to run their midweek comps and Saturday comps and pennant, you know, no longer are they grading and pen and paper and whatever. They they can actually make use of this mm. at the grassroots, right? Mm. So this was never intended to be just for a small cohort. This was always intended to be for everyone who wants to play competitively. And the vision for us is five years down the track, we are, you know, we've got 150, 200,000 people. And you and I can easily say, hey, what's your rating? Well, I'm a six. Hey, I'm a six as well. We're going to have a good match. Yep. That's the long-term vision. We're just going through the, 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 let's call it the pain period as we roll this out. A question in here, I'm going to jump a few, try and get to as many, because uh, we've sort of covered a, a few of the topics with our questions. What penalties would be imposed to actually stop uh, withdrawals? Example, mm. like you know, three retirements and you get a, a six-month suspension. That was just a question that sort of came in because we were talking about, obviously, withdrawals, maybe not as many entries at some of these tournaments uh, with people just focused on protecting the yeah. UTR. Yeah, well, firstly, protecting your, UTR, protecting your rating is not something we'd advocate, and we're hoping many of our coaches are not advocating our kids not playing or anyone not playing. In terms of the withdrawal, so look, there's a process, and this is where sometimes people get frustrated with you know the federation, but we are proposing a change that has to go to the board. The board has to approve it. It then flows down through the code of behaviour. But look, we are looking at really two critical changes. One would be if you withdraw prior to um, an event starting, there's one level of penalty. And if you withdraw during event, and the, and, and, and the, that would be probably a double penalty. And the yep. reason being is the minute yep. you withdraw, one, no respect for anybody on the other side of the net, and you know what happens to the draws after that. It does cause chaos. And that's why we've been having some, you know, challenges with our tournament deliverers. Let's slip in our last break. We'll come back and uh, round out the questions for uh, Lawrence Robinson in the studio, Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, always on board with us. ASTE tennis courts here, trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Uh, check them out, aste.com.au. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. 
With B Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve, racing through a Monday night as always. Need a good tennis lesson? Go and see uh, Shane Scrutton at Yarra Tennis Coaching out there at beautiful Eaglemont, just off the Eastern Freeway. If you're a beginner, if you're a bit more experienced, his mission is simply to improve your game. Over 30 years coaching uh, Shane and his team out there. Beautiful setting. Check out yarratennis.com.au. Lawrence Robinson is in the studio, of course, Director of Pathways and Game Development at Tennis Australia, UTR. We've been discussing that tonight. Obviously, we've spoken about it quite a bit. Uh, this year. I'm going to get to a few more comments. In fact, I think there's one quickly here. Nick from Ivanhoe on the text. Uh, the tournaments, tournament play, too many matches in one day. Four matches in one day is not attractive. Tennis is a very long day compared to games of a game of uh, three hours of football. That's just a, a comment from Nick yeah, we on can, the text. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure we can necessarily get away from that. I don't, you know, I don't think we're in a situation where we want to see anyone playing four matches in one day. And, um, you know, I think we would be looking at ways in which we can limit that. But that's our sport. And, it, you know, it, it poses definite challenges for us, particularly with our officiating community, which is you know, an area now that I'm responsible for. And, and you know, they've regularly told us these are, these are long days. And, you know, that's also something we want to try and address. Without the coaches' support, the performance participants, parents and players, won't get on board. Talk about that coach space. There has been a, a coach review that's been going on for, uh, for for quite some time. I suppose that the coach's role in all this in trying to work with the players around this UTR? Yeah. Look, I, I can speak to the wider review and obviously Adam Carey's um, recently joined the team from, from Queensland and, and like Adam Adam is, is, is sort of ready to sort of roll out a number of elements in that regard. We absolutely agree that you know the coach you know role and again it was it was called out in the review you know, they're pretty critical in helping the player understand what does it mean to compete and 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 the essence of that. And I think you know there is definitely concern as a as an as a I'm not an Aussie, but we always would look from afar at the nation. You know the, the notion of Australian competitiveness. They love to compete. Yep. We need to be able to work with the coaches to help educate the pairs and parents, the players, as to the benefits of the rating system. Debunk some of the myths that are out there. But again, fundamentally, how can we get you on the court and get you working on your game and developing your game? I think you've already said this a few times, but this is a comment that came in. TA need to educate the performance community on what affects UTR in development years has on their realistic destination. So I suppose yeah. people are probably just crying out for a, a little bit more discussion and, and feedback and uh, and how it's all going to be implemented long-term. Uh, a couple more on the text. One from Michelle. My 11-year-old and 13-year-old partner had to play two 16-year-olds in a recent country comp thanks to UTR. It was a straight sets drubbing. So just the, the difference in ages. Yeah, look, we've heard a bit of this. Um, and and look, yeah, the, the rating system, once you get to around about 14, you start to see a bit of separation. Um, and so, you know, we think at the under-14 space, the rating can drive, you know, um, you know, good level-based play as part of the, um, um, you know, as a sort of, let's say, a genderless, uh, genderless um, uh, competitive opportunity. Beyond that, look, in an ideal world, we don't necessarily want to see 25-year-olds playing 16-year-olds. However, I will say that many of the greats that came up through the ranking system, or the, the old system, uh, not the ranking system, but came up through the system, they played club tennis. And when they were good enough, 
they were playing Division One. They were thrown in, whether they were 12, 13, 14. Many of them played that. You know. So we've had many years where that's how they developed their game. They learned their court craft, as you say, by playing you know, players who are a bit older. But you know, we don't necessarily want to see that sort of you know, time and time again. I've got plenty more, but we're going to run out of time, as we always do on this show. What I'm going to do, I might handball some of that uh, correspondence onto you, and absolutely, you can digest that and pick it apart. And I think this it's an ongoing discussion. We've got a long year; it's only May. We go right through to November. I think we continue to revisit it, uh, keep the uh, uh, conversation uh, going. Plenty of people uh, passionate about tennis, uh, not only the governing body, people uh, out there at the coalface of the game. I think we all have one aim, and that's to see tennis thriving in this country. How we get to that. uh, that destination, well, let, we need everyone to come together and uh, right, there's uh, plenty to do in that space. Absolutely. Brad, thanks again for the opportunity. Much appreciated. Thanks, Lawrence. Lawrence Robinson, of course, Director of Pathways and Game Development. Keep an eye on our website, thefirstserve.com.au. All our dedicated podcasts as well as our Monday night show. We've got Aussies Only, Crunching the Numbers, Play USA. What are you doing here with Rowan Williams? The grind is coming up soon. We'll talk to you next Monday. Hit him beautifully out of the middle of the strings, if you don't mind, and we'll do it again next Monday. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.